Whether you experience moments of panic or have full-blown anxiety attacks, you're not alone. As business owners, we're often under a lot of pressure to do our best, be our best self, and get the best results. And because of that, we sometimes feel overwhelmed with our to-do lists and expectations of others. But for now, I want you to forget about all those pressures. Because today I'm chatting with UK entrepreneur and founder of the Smart Girl Tribe, Scarlett V. Clark. And she's going to talk us through how to prevent anxiety from occurring and embrace our fears so we can build the thriving business of our dreams. And yes, I'm saying us, we, and our here because I experience anxiety too. Let's jump into the episode. Welcome to the Marketing and Me podcast. If you're eager to grow your health and wellness business via effective marketing methods while maintaining your own health and wellness, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Leanne Shelton, a health and wellness copywriter and content marketing trainer who's here to help perfect your message, then find the right channels to send it out into the online world with the ultimate goal of making it heard and seen by your ideal client. So feel free to book in a free 15-minute virtual tea with me after listening to today's episode. The details are in the show notes. And today, I'm joined by my guest, Scarlett Clark. Welcome, Scarlett. Thank you so much for having me. Very excited. It's been a long time coming. We initially connected via Facebook or something like a year ago, <laughs> and we're finally making this happen. Um, so I'll read out your bio just so everyone knows who you are. So Scarlett V. Clark is the CEO and founder of the UK's number one female empowerment organization. Upon finding that major magazines were only focusing on sex, weight, and boyfriends, and fundamentally believing women deserved more from the media, Scarlett created a hub to have conversations that matter. Now, Smart Girl Tribe boasts a top-rated podcast, a wildly successful event series, and in her book, The Smart Girl's Handbook, which is now available in Australia the UK and the States. Uh, so Scarlett's a, a female empowerment expert for Harvard University and has worked with you and women, he for she and women for women international. All very cool stuff there. <laughs> yeah, so tell me more about your business journey. So it really started when I was 19. I was desperate to go into writing. I wanted to be a journalist, yet everywhere I looked, I just didn't believe in the ethos of these magazines. So I thought, you know what? Someone has to change the system. Someone has to do something. And then I realized I am someone. So I had, it was day one that I decided, I mean, on day one that I decided to do it, I was only 19 years old. I had 100 reasons telling me not to. I had no economics degree, no business experience, absolutely nothing kind of even suggesting no evidence that I would be remotely competent at starting a business. Yet it started as a digital magazine and it has snowballed since. That's where it really started. It has taken me all over the world. 
I now talk from Tanzania to Switzerland to, like you said, Harvard University with my book being published this year as well. It's just, it's all been amazing, but that's really where it snowballed. I was committed very early on to building a community because I thought, you know what, my friends and I, we're not having the conversations that major magazines focusing on i.e sex weight and boyfriends we're having conversations that matter such as mental health and social issues affecting women because of that I thought you know what I'll give it a go I'll set it up it just began as a passion project I didn't go into it at all thinking that it could be a business thinking that it could be anything more by the time I graduated actually I knew it could be something it could be a fully fledged business and I would love to say that I did, I decided then, but instead I actually listened to everybody telling me that it couldn't be. Everyone saying that, no, I was a lot more academic and I should pursue a more academic path, I as a politician or an interpreter. So listening to everybody, I applied and was accepted at this very prestigious events company in London, organizing events for Tiffany's and Louis Vuitton. And within three weeks, and I think maybe two hours, I quit and I booked a one-way ticket to New York. It was where I knew Smart Girl Tribe would really take off. I had always wanted to go. So I quit and then just hopped on a train, went back home and yeah, just booked a one-way flight, one-way flight to New York. And that's really where it it just happened. It started now. That's why we're where we are today. So did it start as um, like any face-to-face things or what did it look like when you got to New York? What did you start with? What did, where did, how did it turn into, what did it turn into? So it was just a digital magazine initially and it was doing very well. We were finalists in the mental health website awards, blog and website awards. And that's where it began. That's how we connected with our community. It was only really a year ago, a couple of years ago, that we then launched the podcast, which became top rated and in Australia too, which always makes me laugh, Leanne, because I've never been there. So I love that I have such strong support in Australia. <laughs> we support you. <laughs> yeah. yep. And then I, that same year, an agent approached me about publishing a book and then a publisher approached me which was incredible so I was very lucky there I was very blessed to have those two opportunities happen in the same year so that's really where it's snowballed but when I was in New York it was still a digital magazine it was just more I was living off the energy of the city so every single day I was going to sleep at 12 at 1 and getting on the first bus to go into central Manhattan at five in the morning. So I was just living off that energy. And because of that, I was really committed to building Smart Girl Tribe, to setting up partnerships, to connecting with people as well, especially in America, because we've always had a strong support system in America. And we've always had so many readers from there reach out to me and so many writers as well. So even though it started very much as a digital magazine that remained that even in America, it just, it grew, I think, because of my commitment to go out and network with people. 
Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well done. And taking that big leap of faith to go to a whole other country and, and try to push something and uh, speaking with people, like, I mean, networking and then finding, you know, supporters isn't easy wherever you are, but somewhere that, you know, unfamiliar territory. So yeah, well done for that. Um, that would have been, yeah, it would have taken a lot of strength to, to get through that, especially on your own. Um, so yeah, so tell us more about this book. That's taking, that's, you know, going everywhere all over the world. So the Smart Girls Handbook was published just in time for International Women's Day, March 4th. It was already a bestseller before it had even hit shelves, which was incredible. Is that the demand for it, is it? I guess so. I mean, it was one of those things that I was just emailed and then looked it up myself and that was, that was the case. So I was really, I was so proud of that moment. But to be honest, as I have said to so many different readers, I don't feel like it's my book. I feel like it's our book. I decided to write Smart Girls Handbook because I was touring and speaking all over the world. And it didn't matter if I was talking in a room of 14 women or 4,000 women. I would have so many women queue up for hours afterwards, just wanting to ask me one question. I have been at events where even the venue has closed and we've had to go outside because I've had women asking me so many questions. And these were questions as well that other women would email me a few days after that event, but even they would come up and whisper these questions to me. And I thought, you know what, this is just showing to me that we're still not doing enough. So I would stay there for hours providing advice and wisdom, if you like. Yet, I did feel that these women needed something tangible to walk away with that they could have forever. They wouldn't just hear my advice on that day, but they could turn back to my advice whenever they please for the rest of time. So that's when I decided to write it. I then set out, and one of the scariest things, Leanne, was I listed my most vulnerable stories throughout my life and also the greatest themes that women have approached me about. So anxiety, failure, trauma, fear, boundaries, these kinds of topics, because I've always known that the more powerful, the more personal, the more powerful. So I knew that the more power pers- I knew the more personal I would be, the more powerful the stories would be. So I sat down and because we were in lockdown while I was writing, it was a very interesting experience. I went back to Italy because that's where I grew up and that's where really that's the place that really inspires me, I guess. And I was just free-flowing writing. It was myself, it was at home, and it is for any woman who wants to speak her truth, find her passion, deal with adult bullies, manage anxiety, live beyond fear, cope with failure, but also build a thriving business and become an activist as well. Because I think women really struggle to find that balance between the two. I meet so many people who want to change the world, yet feel maybe that their nine to five is holding them back. So these are all of the topics that I explore in the book and I'm so grateful because the feedback has been phenomenal and like I said I'm at the beginning I'm about to go to America to go on a book tour I'm book touring this summer around the UK we were I was actually we had planned to go to Australia last year because we were going to host a big charity event but of course really unfortunately that couldn't be 
that couldn't happen because of COVID. So hopefully even next year or the year after that could be a potential. That'd be amazing because those topics, I mean, they're things that even in my friendship groups, they might only come up once you're in that really DNM, you know, mode, if you've been hanging out for a while, you've had a couple of drinks or something, it's, they're not the topics that's kind of come up in casual conversation all the time. And and it's quite often just surface level talking about kids or work or, you know, or just family stresses, but not often talking about, yeah, those real deep things. And I love the, those conversations. And so that's why, I mean, today we're, we're focusing on the anxiety, but tying in with a thriving business. Because uh, mm-hmm. I thought, uh, actually, I was talking to someone just before about, you know, having that fear of success rather than fear of failure, like going, oh, yes. what does it actually look like if I am successful? That's um, <laughs> actually, that's more scary even mm-hmm. to me. Um, so let's let's take a step back. Like, how does someone know they're suffering from fear or and or anxiety? So this is something I really talk about quite extensively in the book because people experience anxiety very differently. I always say that for me, I find that everybody has a car alarm, car alarm inside of them and it. some of them can go off with a gust of wind. Other words, it would take a whole you know, someone to smash in the window or something. I feel that everyone has a different car alarm. So we all react to things very differently. Some people, for instance, will have generalized anxiety disorder. Others could have a panic disorder. Some could have very specific phobias. So I think you have to look out for very common hallmarks of an anxiety disorder to really understand if you do have anxiety So I think you really need to ask yourself, okay, am I reacting to a very specific scenario like this? Either I'm sweating, I'm clamming up, I can't breathe properly, or is it a whole spectrum of issues and this is how I'm approaching them? Not intentionally, not on purpose, but this is how my body is reacting to them. So what usually it comes down to is anxiety orders, disorders, sorry, you're excessively worrying, maybe not about one thing, but about a whole range of different things. And you have this sense of dread and anxious feelings. They can stem from school, from the workplace, social interactions, personal relationships. And for those with anxiety, keeping these feelings under control can be really challenging and tough, even if they realize that their worries and anxieties are actually quite or can be quite irrational. You worry about things that you don't really need to worry about. And it's something I have talked about very openly that I struggle with anxiety, but so do one in pe- one in three people worldwide. So I would say to anyone listening, just know that you are not alone. And if you can relate to excessive worrying or difficulty sleeping, extreme fatigue or concentration issues, then this could potentially be anxiety. Yeah, because initially, you know, I hear about people with anxiety and they may like it seems this whole big thing that they can't function or something because mm-hmm. I have a pan- I think of like I think of panic attacks right like oh that they just I can't handle everything the walls closing in anxiety panic attack you know that's 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 I guess one way of seeing anxiety but there's so many different levels to it and I guess 
Uh, I mean, I experienced this during COVID and lockdown. I had these moments of going, oh, wow, I just, I feel like I'm, I'm like shallow breathing. This is how it shows up for me, like a bit of shallow breathing, um, uh, like just snapping at the kids just like that, not having the capacity to be patient, and usually I am patient. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm quite a reflective person. So I realise when that's happening, I go, oh, okay, well, having a bit, what, what was the thought that kind of, uh, you know, it probably isn't the exact situation. Maybe it's a thought that came before that because I often get the moments where, I'm, I'm mulling a problem over, for example, and then if my, one of my kids comes up to me and asks me something else, that's when I, I may snap because I'm like, I'm trying to deal with something here and I just can't. It's just too many things at once, a bit of that overwhelm. And um, so that's, it may sound very minor, like that's very small, like the lower end of the scale of anxiety, whereas there are those that go, all right, I said to go lock myself in a room for a moment and just breathe and um but yeah, so it, it's completely normal, whatever end of the spectrum you're on, to experience this. It's really good to hear that one in three. I didn't realize that stat was so high. No, completely. I understand and can completely relate. And I personally think everyone has some anxiety in them. People just have different levels because everybody excessively worries about something in their lifetime. So I think for me, everyone has a little bit of anxiety. For people, yes, absolutely. They struggle with very severe anxiety. For me, I can honestly say I don't feel like it has been too severe. I can count the times that I have had a panic attack and they have been in very specific moments. So I think if anyone were to be listening and was thinking, you know what, I don't seem to suffer with anxiety. Does that still make it anxiety? You think anxiety means you're broken. You think there's something wrong with you. You think that everyone else is coping better than you. And I had a really great conversation with a friend the other day. And I said, it's so strange because I would say that I struggle with anxiety, yet I don't feel like it's a mental illness. And I'm not sure how I feel about this yet because I just feel like it's not even a way of living. It's just something that I have coped with and managed over time for absolutely for some it will be a mental illness and I sincerely hope that for those everyone can have support and guidance they need but for anyone who maybe fears that their anxiety isn't grave enough to seek help I would say don't approach it like you have this mental illness or that you feel that you're broken just go into it and think okay this is what's happening I'm having panic attacks these feelings are arising when I feel like this when I'm about to maybe go into the workplace I'm in a toxic relationship that gives me anxiety some things are very very specific so if you're struggling with anxiety I would say just know you're not broken it doesn't necessarily mean it's a mental illness, if you like. It doesn't have to be if that really scares you, because for some people, they can't cope with hearing that. So I would just say, no, just see it as anxiety and something that you maybe need to manage. I would say there's absolutely one question fundamentally you can ask if you struggle with anxiety, and that is ask yourself, who are you trying to please? What is the ideal you are trying to live up to? Because you cannot perform your way into worth or being enough. And I know we're going to get into some stories of when I struggled with anxiety. But fundamentally in those situations, it was because I never questioned someone else's right to question my life. 
And when you put it into perspective and you realize actually nobody has that right because everyone is living life through their very own lens, through their own perspective. So everyone is going to see something completely different and see people completely differently. I would always say don't try and fit into a mold that someone else wants you to be. Oh, actually, it reminds me of a podcast I heard the other day and it was quite often people are what they perceive other people perceive them as. Yes. <laughs> you can't get your head around that. So you, like quite often you identify yourself with, oh, I'm a, I'm a happy, bubbly person um, mm-hmm. that, you know, is friendly to everyone because you're thinking that's how you want other people to see you. Um, but is that actually who you are or are you just putting mm-hmm. on this act? And if you, I mean, if you're putting on an act for too long, then obviously a bit of anxiety when you're like, oh, I have to perform, I have to, I have to not be me and, you know, that's a whole other thing, right? Um, So, yeah, I mean, apart from, I guess, reflecting situation, I know things like deep breathing, maybe taking you out of the scenario, journaling. What are are your other recommended natural remedies for soothing an anxious mind? So when I'm feeling anxious, because this is another almost gripe that I have as society, we focus a lot on what to do when you're in a panic attack. And I like to talk about what to do to prevent a panic attack. Even better. Yeah. Or when you're anxious, like you said. So for me, and I talk about this in my book, I have tried so many methods over the years. And one of the most effective for me is the five cents rule. So if I'm feeling anxious, I will take a moment, I will just close my eyes and I will ask myself, what can I hear right now? What can I smell right now? You can even do this with your eyes open. You can ask yourself, what can I see right now? You know, what can I feel right now? Can you feel the necklace around your neck? Can you feel your feet in your shoes? Things like this. Is there any comfy material near you that you can touch? Because this puts you back into the presence. Another thing that you can do very quickly is ask yourself, what are three things that you are grateful for in that moment? Because it tends to be that you cannot feel grateful and anxious simultaneously. Because anxiety and anxious feelings, they're worrying about the future. That's what anxiety is. So this five sense rule, that's what I've named it, it brings you back into the presence. And it almost takes your mind there with you. So you're no longer thinking about whatever it may be that's actually residing in the future. So for me, that's one of the most effective things that you can do. And then I would say listening to your intuition. We do not do this enough. I feel that as women in particular, we are born as balls of love and energy. We're very much in the present, but then we are slammed with expectations and societal pressures to the point where we're encouraged not to listen to our intuition and to listen to institutions instead. So I would say for anyone, listen to your intuition a lot more. Don't head for the foods that you think that you should be having. Ask yourself, what does my body crave right now? And provide that. You know, when it comes to sleeping, when you want to go to bed, don't think, oh, I should really catch up on that email. Ask yourself, what does my mind need? Right now, does my mind need eight hours of rest? Does my body need a two hour nap in the middle of the day? I understand that some of these things are really not realistic for everybody. But when you can, I would say, start asking yourself, what would my guts be telling me? 
what if my intuition was a physical being here and they could talk to me what would my intuition say and then I would also say believe in something greater than yourself and the reason why I say this you can identify it as you wish God divine feminine a higher power a higher force the universe, energy, whatever it may be, believe in something greater than yourself because realizing that you're not in control in this life actually will make you feel quite in control. Knowing that you will never have control in this life puts you back almost in control when you surrender to that. So those would be my three things, the five sense rule, listening to your intuition, and then believing in something greater than yourself. Yeah, exactly. And the, I mean, I've heard about those, the five cents thing before, and I, I never think of, I mean, I, like, thankfully I haven't been in a panic attack, so I haven't needed mm-hmm. to, but even like it's something I could probably even use for my kids when they're going through a little bit of meltdown, because same sort of thing, I guess, and to go, all right, no, stop. What can you see? What can you hear? What can you feel? And um, it's probably a really good way around it. Um, and I was going to say something else and now it's escaped me, but uh yeah no I think those all really great points to definitely prevent everything oh that's the thing about being like surrendering I I I guess I'm a little bit of a control freak Uh, and lately I've been trying to think rather than oh I can control this or I'm I'm in charge of this going I'm in flow I surrender Mm -hmm. things will work out because they always do for me it just it just happens in the moment it's often like (gasps) but then you're like okay it's actually good that that didn't go ahead or um or like recently and this would tie me bring into the next part of of the interview but uh, I had a lot of clients all at once want to start at the same time, retainers, like big blogging kind of packages. And so I was having some moments of panic going, how am I going to manage this? How am I going to make it happen? You know what? Within a week or two, one or two were like actually push back, push back our start date a month. And mm. I was like, there you go. The universe gave me that space to just focus on this one to get into the flow and then the others will start once I've got the flow happening. But at the time when they all came on board at the same time, it looked like they were all going to start at the same time. I was like, ah. Um, so, yeah, that's, I mean, that's been my, so we're talking about, you know, overcoming anxiety when growing a business because for me, I'm like that fear of success, what can I actually handle all my my business growth? Can I still have that flexibility around my family, which is one of the reasons why I started my business? And so I have these moments where, oh, if I accept all this work, yes, I can get people onto my team, but can I actually manage it without surrendering, I guess, putting it into a negative context, surrendering weekends and, and nights, which I tried to avoid. So, I mean, anxiety often happens when the future is unknown and, you know, it's about going into that, taking the next step, going out of your comfort zone in your business. So I'd love to hear now, yeah, your personal experiences because you have obviously jumped out of your comfort zone a few times, gone different places. So how did you, and what did, what happened and what did you do to overcome that sense of uncertainty? No, of course. So, I mean, I'll take you back almost to the beginning of where my anxiety really um, was challenging to cope with was I grew up in Italy and I really wanted to go to a particular university in the UK. So I came back to set the exams necessary for that. And that journey was incredibly difficult because I didn't fit in at all. 
on the very first day I was asked a couple of very personal questions and I thought oh this is how it's going to be I was asked whether I was a virgin and if I had ever smoked weed and this was a really good academy in the UK but this massively put me out of my comfort zone I had come from a very sheltered rural Catholic private school and then suddenly this was the pond I was jumping into and I really struggled and it manifested as anxiety so that was really where my anxiety got quite tough because I didn't fit in my nickname quickly became Granger after Hermione Granger I was known as the girl in the library because I was so focused on university and that gave me anxiety so I think a lot of the time we say oh as I did earlier anxiety is the future and it's thinking too much about the future but I think it's also important to remember that it can be very much about what is currently going on and what is happening because I know there there are those with social anxiety for instance they're not worrying about necessarily the future they could be worrying about their immediate surroundings and everything happening around them then. Of course, you could argue that they're worrying about the potentials, but I always like to have a very balanced view. So for me, that's when my anxiety worsened. To get through that at the time, I actually found one of the most powerful things was talking, finding a support system and talking through it, just expressing how I was feeling. And then next to that, journaling. Journaling is one of the most powerful things because our brain approaches writing something down differently to just saying it out loud. We just tend to remember it more and approach it very differently. So because of that, I have always been a huge fan of journaling. I have always journaled and that's how I got through that moment. It's something that is so difficult because I think There is never going to be a point where anyone is going to live without anxiety, which I'm sure many listeners can understand. It's something you have to learn to manage. So as I said, I love the advice that we have, you know, really invest in more self-care and have herbal teas and have bubble baths. But I don't know about you, Leanne, but that doesn't really do much for me. So I like to focus on the bigger picture, the bigger things going on, i.e., as I said earlier, listening to your intuition a lot more, even if you just ask yourself that every single day for different moments during the day and then believing in something greater than yourself. I think journaling is an excellent tool, but I would say never underestimate talking. That seems like something so simple, but just approach somebody who you fully trust, you can be yourself with. And you can say, I have had some anxious feelings building up inside of me because people can't help you if they don't know that you need the help. And people can guess, but let's be honest, it's a little bit like when you're in school and you have a spot and you go in and you think, oh my gosh, everyone is going to notice this massive like spot on my face. Like Everyone's going to talk about it. Everyone's going to know. But the truth is, everyone is actually only focused on their very own spots. And that's a bit like life. Everyone is focused on their own scars and wounds, so much so that people can't help you if they don't know that you need the help. So go to somebody you fully trust and have that conversation. And you could even say to them, look, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this next week. Do you mind if we have that similar conversation again? Or we have that conversation again? Or can I know if 
you know, I can go to you if I need that guided support in that way. If you're listening and you feel that you don't have anyone to turn to, I would say YouTube meditations, because sometimes when you're listening to a guided meditation or even a visualization that can get you really motivated, there is nothing else in the world that can get you to reach your higher self more quickly than meditation. So I would say just have five minutes because if you're listening to a guided meditation, the meditation will ask you very specific questions. So you can Google guided meditations for anxiety. We actually have meditations available on smartgirltribe.com because I have provided what I have needed so many times over the years. So for me, that's what I would suggest, I think it's great that we do talk about herbal teas and bubble baths, but I think we need to be having deeper conversations now and start seeing anxiety management as a lifetime commitment in a positive way and also see it as an opportunity to ask yourself some deep questions. I come back to the one that I said earlier, who are you trying to please? Yeah, you know, meditation, it does make such a big difference. Like I, I try to do it like 10 minutes every morning. That's just enough. That's achievable. And it's true because it just quiets my mind. I know when my mind is extra frantic, when it does have to keep coming back, no, just focus on breathing, just focus on breathing. Mm-hmm. And I listen to ones that, yeah, ask, uh, they're like abundance related or they're asking questions or it's, um, just even just saying to let go of those thoughts and having that headspace just to go and give myself permission to just rest my brain for a bit because otherwise it's just constantly switched on. Our mind is never, it never stops. Like obviously as business owners, your brain probably works a lot differently to those who have a part-time job. They actually hate it's mindless stuff. Let's go in, they do the job, go home. They can think, have the headspace to think about all this other stuff. Um, like quite often business owners, we're always thinking about we're being inspired by new ideas and we're trying to think about the next thing we should do or how to tackle that. And and it's, yeah, that's, I guess, part of the, <laughs> um, the, the, the job or part of the whole thing. But um, so I have like a, another question, just what are your tips for like confidently building a thriving business without letting that anxiety take over? Just go, mm-hmm. no, I'm on the right path. Like, What are your tips for that? I would say have an unwavering faith in yourself because if on day one, as I did, I actually decided two things, which almost blows my mind now because I was only a teenager when I started my business is the first thing that I promised myself was no matter what happens with this business, no matter if it never makes money, never has any more reads than maybe 10, or even if my family are the only ones reading it, I promise to not give up on myself and to not give in to myself. So even during those challenging moments, I come back to that promise that I made myself because you should never break a promise to yourself. So that's the first thing. The second question that I, or the question that I then asked myself was what would make me happy? And I understand that at 19, that can look very different if you're then 29 or 39 or even over, but it's something that has grounded me so much over the years because my answer was, if I can write and travel the world, I'll be happy forever. And I've really stuck by that. So on the days that I'm down or even on the days when I haven't felt the business is thriving as I want it to be, because everybody goes through those 
ebbs and flows. And a fellow entrepreneur actually said to me once, she said, the best advice I can give to you, Scarlett, is an entrepreneur will never have two good days in a row. And I have always stuck by that because I thought, you know what, if one day I'm at an event and I'm really happy and then the next day I'm crying in my bathroom, there's nothing wrong with me. I think that you just have to take all of this on as an entrepreneur. So I would say you need to have unwavering faith in yourself. Don't break a promise to yourself. Always commit to yourself, show up and also max out your dreams. I'm often asked, it's not necessarily something I regret but maybe something I would do differently is as women we tend to either seek validation or permission and I'm here to say write your own damn permission slip give yourself the permission but when I was 19 it was very much oh I have a digital magazine that's amazing I don't know anyone who has a passion project like this or is doing anything similar and that's what I stuck to and throughout university I thought oh you know, I love having this digital magazine. I didn't max out on the dream. I didn't ask myself, okay, what do I want it to look like? What could it look like in two, five, 10, 20 years, whatever it may be. And that has been where my mindset has changed. That is why the podcast happened in the same year and became top rated in the same year that I signed my book deal. And it was Also the same year that I was invited to speak at Harvard University for the first time as a female empowerment expert. And then it very quickly, very quickly afterwards, I also hosted our very first Smart Girl Tribe Summit, which was huge. And it was in London and it was our very first. And all that happened because I suddenly thought, okay, how can I max out on this dream? What could this dream really look like? So I would say that's the biggest thing, Um, you know, just especially as women, I would say absolutely have an unwavering faith in yourself. Don't break a promise to yourself. Write your own permission slip. The difference between a winner and a loser is a winner stands up one more time. So I would say don't have any kind of fear because we do see fear as a negative thing when actually fear is a positive thing. Well, I actually have, because I did a vision board uh, workshop on the weekend and a quote right in the middle of my vision board is everything you've ever wanted is on the other side of fear. And I, that is like, I came that across in the magazine. Like I need to have that on my board. So it's right there. No, completely. Fear is a positive thing. It's that gut-wrenching feeling telling us, don't go down that alley, don't talk to that person, don't get into that taxi, et cetera. It's a positive. This goes back to our cave women times. We approach, our brain can't differentiate between a creative endeavor that is entirely new to us or a charging lion. So you have to get comfortable with the charging lions. Fear keeps us in our prisons. The walls make up, they are man-made. We are putting them up ourselves. And fear can manifest in different ways from procrastination to perfectionism. So I would also say, ask yourself if you're building a business, you know, where is this fear coming from? A lot of the time as women, it will be from our inner mean girl. We have an inner critic, that voice inside our heads that says you're not enough, you're not smart, experienced or talented enough. We all have one. My most effective way to deal with that is personalize your inner mean girl being called Scarlett. I have called mine Sheila. 
Yeah. <laughs> when My she, <laughs> yeah. So when I hear this inner voice, I imagine closing the door on Sheila and saying, Oh, go away, Sheila, shut up. We don't need you today. I don't need your opinion. Because by personalizing her, you know, very much if you're seeing, like I suggested earlier, if you see your intuition as a physical being, try and see your inner mean girl as a physical being. And she isn't part of you because that will really detach you from her. A lot of People, especially women, when building a business and when wanting it to be thriving, they also have a fear of failure. You need to see failure as necessary information, as data acquisition to help you become or it's needed to become the woman that you are destined to be. And the reason why I say this is because your fear may look completely different. It may look like fear of failure or fear of success, as we highlighted earlier. But I would say, no, just learn to manage those two things as well. One of the suggestions I said was you can name your inner mean girl. When it comes to failure, maybe find a mentor who you can talk that through with, or you could even go to a library or something. You could go to a bookstore and you could look for somebody who has had a very similar path to you and who has maybe gone through a similar experience to you. Oh, fantastic. I love, I'm loving all this stuff. It's awesome. Um, so yes, please go back and listen, re-listen, write things down. Uh, this is all great stuff. Um, so I always ask all my guests this, Scarlett, and that is how do you take care of your health and wellness? Well, over the years, Leanne, being completely honest, not very well. And the reason why I say that is because so many people will be listening because I was that person listening, thinking, oh my gosh, I've got everything down apart from self-care. That is okay. Sometimes you are going to go through a season where you are struggling, where your babies need you or your parents need you or you're a carer or work needs you. And that's okay. That's the season that you're in. So I would always start off by saying that because I like to say the things that I wish I had heard. And I never heard an entrepreneur say, it's okay if you're not very good at the self-care thing right now. And that can look very different. Now, one thing that I find really interesting, again, is it's very similar going back to anxiety is we focus on meditation, for instance, we'll say, yes, meditation is wonderful. And it absolutely is you know, meditation, it can prevent us from constantly worrying about negative things or things that we fear or stress, or as we said, fear of failure, etc. because we can understand during meditation that a hurtful situation can be in the past. And I love when people suggest meditation as much as I love when people suggest journaling or those bubble baths or herbal teas. Yet for me, as I talk about again, quite extensively. This is one of my favorite chapters in the book, actually. I'm always asked what's my favorite chapter. It's probably this one, is I have a self-care system and I see myself as a house that is built on pillars and my pillars are made up of boundaries. So I would say, start setting some boundaries. Ask yourself, who do you need to have an uncomfortable conversation with? And then also my values, you can focus on the bubble baths and herbal teas, but I can tell you six months from now, a bubble bath for, you know, three days a week, whatever it may be every week, it's not necessarily going to help you, but establishing boundaries and setting values can ask yourself, what is my greatest value? My primary value is grace. 
one thing I do to remind myself of my primary value is every single time I open a door, it can be my front door, it can be a car door, it can be the door to my office. I always ask myself, how would Super Scarlet approach this? Because I see Super Scarlet as the best, most gracious version of myself. And that mentality has changed my life more so than probably anything else, because I come back to grace being my primary value. And that has got me through disputes with family because they happen or small arguments with friends or even on the roads, like they can be really stressful now. But whenever I'm jumping into my car, I ask myself, how would Super Scarlet approach this situation or approach this new environment? Because that brings me back to my higher, better self. And that really helps me not only live in the moment, but be living in the moment as my best and most authentic self. Yeah, I actually, I read um, uh, Tara Moore's book recently and I yeah I, I my inner goddess I've named her honey well honey is actually the name that came to me in the meditation and I, I actually had forgotten about that but I need to keep referring back to because she was you know I went 12, 20 years in the future and that's that was honey you know the future me and uh, I need to think more about what she would do uh, so thanks for a reminder for that uh, so how can people connect with you and find your book So I know that the book, the Smart Girls Handbook by me, so Scarlett V. Clark, is available all over Australia. I have recently seen it available at Booktopia. I've seen it there. So I just want to say thank you so much to my Australian support. It always amazes me. I have so many Australians connect with me online and that's where you can find me primarily. There is smartgirlshribe.com there. There is the Smart Girls Handbook Program that is actually full of meditations. Meditation is really powerful. We have workbooks and downloadables that accompany the book as well. And then of course, at Smart Girl Tribe, primarily on Instagram. Excellent. I'll put all those in the show notes. But yes, get on, follow Scarlett. She definitely knows her stuff. And obviously, everybody just touched on one little topic that is covered in um, the Smart Girls Tribe. So thank you so much for joining me today. It's been great. Um, I've really enjoyed our chat. Um, and thanks to you, dear listener, for tuning in. You can find show notes for the episode at marketingandme.com.au. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and leave me a rating and a review via your podcast app or at ratethispodcast.com slash marketingandme. You're also welcome to grab a screenshot of this episode and share across your socials. And if you're interested in connecting with me, feel free to reach out via LinkedIn. Just search for Leanne Shelton and let me know you're a fan of the show or book in a free 15-minute chat because I'd absolutely love to chat about how I can help you grow a thriving health and wellness business. Until next time, I wish you good health and good wealth.